is a great part of London. Is it London? It's not London, is it? I, um, I, I grew up in Walthamstow and uh, went to church in Ilford. And there was always this kind of tension about whether or not Ilford is in London or in Essex. And, and everybody really wanted to feel part of London. And they hated being a part of Essex. So I don't know if... Happy being Essex people? Essex, you are? All right, cool. And some of you, like, I really wish you were Londoners, right? Well, let's say I'm, I'm a bit of both. You're a Londoner. All right. Pray, and then uh, we'll get into the Word of God. Father, we um, are so grateful for grace. Um, the word revival you might think uh, revival meetings or you might think of tent revivals uh, you might think of 30, 40 nights of revival you might think of thousands being saved you might think of thousands being healed and, and all of those definitions carry some truth um, to this word revival, and much has been said about a coming revival to the UK. Many of you would have been praying for a revival to come to the UK or uh, believing for it. But I, I honestly believe that in order for revival to take place in this nation, it's got to first begin in the church. Renewal must take place in the church. And as you would have experienced within the last two years, there's been a real reset within the nation, uh, you know, pandemic, Wars happening, cost of living crisis, all of this stuff, it's causing us to all look uh, internally. Um, and this reset may be an opportunity for us as the church to look at our own hearts, our own lives, our own families. The last two years has taken its toll on, on many of us. And uh, maybe today you're feeling the need for personal renewal, personal revival or restoration. I believe that is on offer for us believe that is on offer for us. You know, as I was driving here on my way, I just, um, I heard the Lord say, as I was just thinking through the message, um, that the platform has been set for the church, almost as if the spotlight is on the church. This is uh, the church's finest hour in the moment of darkness. And I heard the words, arise and shine for your light has come. I believe that's a word for you guys, Lighthouse. Arise and shine for your light has come. And a word for the church as well. That in the dark days, it's time for the church to rise up, to be seen, to be known, to be heard. Today, we're going to spend the remainder of our time in Psalm 51. And my prayer for us is that as we hear these words, as we um, sit under the word, that we would be stirred afresh. Our passion for God would be renewed and revived. And so let's look at David. David, as many of you would know, is a man who was known as the greatest king of Israel. Yeah, and yet this great king had a great fall. We read about it in 2 Samuel uh, and verse 11. Uh, David was walking on his balcony and he sees Bathsheba, beautiful woman who was married to Uriah at the time. David commits a great sin. 
by sleeping with Bathsheba and then having her husband Uriah killed. So this great king is caught in a web of sin. There's a lot going on here. And there are many reasons why that would have happened. You don't just end up in that position. There's a backstory. And so a closer examination of the first few verses of the chapter tells us that it was spring. If you look at 2 Samuel and 11, you'll see that it was spring and it says, and the time kings go off to war. It was the time that kings go off to war, spring. But David remained in Jerusalem. David should have been out on the battlefield. He should have been fighting for his nation, should have been fighting with his people, but he had retreated and he'd become an onlooker and an observer and ultimately found himself in a web of sin. You know, the the pandemic in the last two years, I don't want to talk too much about it because I'm sure many of you are tired, but it's done many things to many people. One of the most damaging things I think it's done is it's isolated people from one another. And that's in friendships, in families, it's the church. Many of us have become isolated. And do you know, we were already heading in that direction. The kind of me, myself and our generation and neighbours not really talking to one another, the iPhone. <laughs> um, we were heading that, but, but the pandemic has really accelerated that, I think. So I wonder if you can maybe relate to David that you have not been in places that you should have been in. You've not been with the people that you should be with. And this has left you open and vulnerable to sin and temptation. We all need fellowship. We all need accountability. And I'm not just talking about coming to church. I'm not talking about just church attendance. I'm speaking about relationships and and, and, and time spent with God and with one another and, and being accountable to your, your friends Maybe you're not in the place that you know you should be. If you feel that angst within you today, that tension, I want to encourage you today from the word of God, from Psalm 51, uh, that renewal, restoration, and revival is on offer. It's on offer today. And so with David, some time passes, and God sends a prophet by the name of Nathan to David to ultimately uh, tell him, God sees what you've done. God sees what you have done. He sees where you are and he's displeased with you. David acknowledges his sin and then he pens these words in Psalm 51. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. We're going to uh, jump to verse 10. He says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right or steadfast spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Verse 13, then I will teach transgressors your way and sinners will turn back to you. I'm confident that the prayer in those four verses, 10 to 13, are words that we can pray again and again and again and you'll find yourself praying them the longer you live. Create in me a clean heart, God. 
renew a steadfast spirit in me. So I want to focus upon three words today with the time we have left. Renew, restore, and revive. Renewal is a, a dichotomy we face often throughout the year. You'll get emails maybe saying your subscription is due to expire. Do you want to renew your subscription? Or maybe uh, your driving license or your passport picture no longer looks like you. You've got to renew your license. I know you want to hold on to the you from 10 years ago, but you don't look like that anymore. You're fighting it, but you've got to renew your ID. We um, recently went on holiday in November, and I forgot to renew my wife's passport. Um, So I sent it off maybe like a month before we were due to go on holiday. Let me tell you, that was the worst month of my life. And I didn't tell her. I was just like, oh, yeah, no, it'll be here. It'll be here. I was sweating. I promise you. But thank God, a week before it arrived, oh my gosh, I threw a praise up on that day when I saw that envelope come through the door. Well, David says he needs to, or he asking God to renew a right or a steadfast spirit within him, which tells me that he once had a right and a steadfast spirit. But somewhere along his journey, that right and that steadfast spirit had expired. It needed renewal. And maybe cynicism had crept in to David's life. It's clear that sin had crept in. Uh, maybe isolation had crept in. Compromise may have crept in. Gossiping may have crept in. Deception may have crept in. And the spirit in him that was once right, steadfast, and sharp had become dull and ineffective. Is that you too? Have some of the things, some of those things crept into your life and your spiritual sensitivity is not what it once was. You've been dulled to the things of God, and now the things of the world seem more appealing. Well, make this your prayer. Make this your repentance, just like a couple who maybe after 10 years renew their vows. You're renewing your commitment to one another. We can say to God, renew a right spirit within me. I've lost it somewhere along the way. I've lost that edge that fervor that I once had, had renew that spirit within me. And the good news is that if you're a Christian, uh, we learn of in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Amen. The old has gone, the new has come. And Paul encourages us to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness. So we pray God Renew a right spirit within me. And then we put on that new spirit. I want to pause for a moment and pray. I'm going to do that a couple of times throughout this message. But just let's think about that. And maybe that's you. Here's an opportunity just to speak to the Lord and say, God, renew a right spirit in me. Renew some of the things that may have been lost or may have expired over the years. God, let's, let's pray. But I pray uh, for my own life for the people here, the church here, God. You know uh, where there are things in our lives that once were but are no longer, that once were fresh, that once were active but aren't anymore. God, renew within us a fresh spirit. Renew within us a fresh passion, a fresh desire for you, a fresh hunger for your word. Renew those things, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And then, You know, in verse 12, David says, restore 
the joy of your salvation. David knew the joy of salvation. We read about it in the Psalms. Psalm 4 and verse 7, David says, You have put more joy in my heart than when they have grain and wine. Psalm 16 and 11, You have have made known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And Psalm 30, For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. David was a man who knew joy. He he danced before the presence of God with joy, but his joy had been sapped. Have you ever met a killjoy? Are you a killjoy? Some of you are nodding. (laughs) You know the person... uh, When people want to have fun, right? You want to have a party, and there's that one person who will just tell you all the reasons why this is not a good idea. I'm a bit of a killjoy, if I'm honest. I can be like that. My wife, oh, she, she loves to have fun. Full of joy, adventurous, likes to push the boundaries. But I'm the sensible, she calls me the rules guy. I, I just follow the rules. We might be on, on a, a walk somewhere, National Trust, and it's, there's a pathway that says, do not enter. Believe me, she will go down that pathway. She wants to know why we should not enter. But I'm like, no, we can't. It says No. It says stop. That's why if, if a door says exit only, I will only go out of that door. I won't go through the other one because it doesn't say entry. I'm a rules guy or a killjoy. You know, sin, isolation, secrecy, that is a surefire way to kill your joy. And that's what happened in David's life. And he knew that in order for renewal, restoration and revival to take place, he needed the joy of salvation back. Restore the joy of salvation. Because as as Nehemiah recognized, and David also knew, the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. His joy is what keeps us going. The joy of salvation, do you remember? Do you remember what it was like? The joy you felt when you first became a Christian. You first experienced the love of God. David needed that joy to be restored. Your restoration is about putting something back into a place that it used to be. Or putting something back into a state that it used to be in. Just like an old antique that no longer sparkling as it once did. Restoration is a process. And it's a process that can often be uncomfortable. For some of you, you may need the joy of your salvation to be restored. For some of you, you may need your passion for God to be restored. Something that once was, that no longer is, can be restored. And so we pray, we pause again, and we say, God, restore the joy of salvation. If I've lost that, once, uh, that thing that I once had, Lord, that joy that I felt when I thought about you, when I read your word, when I wanted to speak to people about you. Restore that thing that once was, that no longer is. Restore it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And lastly, revive. In the late 1940s, a small cottage in Scotland on the island of Lewis in the village of Barvas lived two elderly women, Peggy and Christine Smith. They were 84 and 82 years old. Peggy was blind, and her sister, 
almost bent double with arthritis. They were unable to attend public worship and their humble cottage became a sanctuary where they met with God. To them came the promise, they heard this, that I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. They pleaded this promise day and night in prayer. And one night Peggy had a revelation. Revival was coming and the church of her father's would be crowded again with young people. So she sent for the minister, the Reverend James Murray McKay, and told him what God had shown her, asking him to call his elders and deacons together for special times of waiting upon God. In the same district, a group of men praying in a barn experienced a foretaste of coming blessing. One night as they waited upon God, a young deacon rose and read part of the 24th Psalm. He said, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing of the Lord. Turning to the others, he said, Brothers, it seems to me just so much humbug to be waiting and praying as we are, if we ourselves are not rightly related to God. And then lifting his hands towards heaven, he cried, Oh God, are my hands clean? Is my heart pure? He got no further, but fell prostrate on the floor. An awareness of God filled the barn, and a stream of supernatural power was let loose in their lives. Between 1949 and 1952, a widespread revival swept through these islands in answers to the prayers of God's people. This revival became known as the Hebrides Revival. See, the two elderly women we read about And those ministers that gathered recognized something that David also recognized. That revival starts with me. At the end of our passage in Psalm 51 and verse 13, David says, once you have renewed a right spirit, once you have restored the joy of salvation, then, in verse 13, I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Revival. This is, this is the revival we hope for. This is what we want to see, that sinners, people blinded by their sin in Harlow, would come running to Jesus, would come running to the beauty and the majesty of who he is, and we, the restored and the renewed church, would welcome them home, because this is where they belong. C.S. Lewis said that Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. Dead people live. And and revival is all about dead things, dead people coming alive. Revival is new life. There are two things we learn really from that story. Those those two elderly women, they were housebound. They were shielding, as it were. Uh, They were deemed invisible. Nobody could see them. They weren't on the platform. They didn't have a microphone, but they had a passion and a desire for God to move supernaturally and to move the hearts of the nation. They sought God together in the midst of their restriction. And those ministers, they realized the need for personal revival, for personal renewal. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm tired of just doing church, just coming on a Sunday and just doing the same old thing. I'm hungry for the new thing that God wants to do in our nation to really step up, as it were, 
in this moment of national and international crisis. I, I want to see what God is going to do in our nation. I want to dream and I encourage you to dream as well. Imagine what the future church could look like with all its flaws, with all its, its mess, with all its beauty. Imagine what the church could look like if people that we sometimes walk past on the street and we don't even bat an eyelid at, if they suddenly had their hearts turned to God. Imagine what a a revival in the 21st century in Harlow could look like, because it might not be what you think it is. Leonard Ravenhill said this, one of these days, some simple soul will pick up the book of God, the Bible, read it and believe it. And then the rest of us will be embarrassed. We've adopted the convenient theory that the Bible is a book to be explained, whereas first and foremost, it is a book to be believed and after that to be obeyed. So let's first be open to the Spirit of God as we echo the words of David and say, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Renew a right spirit within me. Restore the joy of salvation. And, O God, revive your church and this nation. We pray in Jesus' name. Let's pray together. Lord, this morning I pray you would pour water upon dry ground, that living waters would burst forth again if our hearts, if our walk with you has become famished, has become dry. We are praying and asking God today, pour fresh water from heaven upon. Renew a right spirit, God. Restore joy to your church and revive, breathe life into, oh God. Get the heart beating again, God. Do a new thing in your church, in this town and in this nation. God, we are hungry and desperate for what you want to do. We want to be people like Moses, like the people of Israel, that follow after God, that follow your leading. We want to be a revived church. We want to be a revived people. And so do it in us, God. Renew, restore, and revive. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.